Hello everyone, welcome to Oh Wow the Podcast, a weekly recap and analysis of every episode of Skins UK starting from the very beginning. I'm your host Augustine and today we're getting into season 2 episode 9, Cassie. I've been trying to figure out the best way to approach this episode and then the next episode, which is the season finale and also the end of the first generation, the whole first cast, so in my efforts at making this a coherent approach to the end of the season, I decided to watch this episode and episode 10 in the same viewing and take all my notes at the same time. And then I'm just going to record the episode for Cassie and for the season finale and split it into two. So I'll post the second half next week talking about the season finale, but I'm going to record all of it in one shot right now because I have so many thoughts. There's so much to talk about and I feel like episodes 9 and 10 really kind of flow into each other so it would be hard to just stop abruptly at the end of episode 9. Anyway, that said, I hope you're all having a great week. I am like full vacation mode two weeks into sunshine and dispensary weed and I'm like real head empty, no thoughts, so we're (laughs) gonna do our best to cover everything in the last two episodes. I really wanted to do them justice and not do a half-assed job, so thank you for waiting a little bit. I'm also gonna be in New Jersey next week, so it's like this is the time where I can really sit down and focus and make sure I put the thought and care into these episodes that they deserve before we get into the second generation. Like, Ah, The fact that I'll be a third of the way done with the whole show is a lot to handle, but I really appreciate you guys sticking with me since day one and getting into this podcast and rewatching or watching the episodes for the first time with me. So episode nine, Cassie, starts with Cassie reading to Chris, and you'll remember in the last episode, He had gone to the hospital and Jal was freaking out. She hadn't told him she was pregnant and we don't know if Chris lives or dies, even though I kind of gave you the spoiler alert and said that he lives, but we open with Cassie reading to Chris. She's reading a book called The Edible Woman by Margaret Atwood and I did a little bit of research and discovered that this book is about a woman who gets into this relationship and she suddenly loses her ability to eat food. So it's very on par with Cassie that the representation of food and stress and appetite, like when she's stressed out, she's not able to eat. And when she's doing well, then she has the appetite for life, for food, etc. That's kind of what this book is about, which I thought was a subtle little insert into the episode that really fits what Cassie would be reading. We see everyone stopping into Chris's room and it just is time passing. People are in and out. Cassie and Sid are like making out outside the doorway and everybody's coming in looking really concerned. So it seems that Chris is just like on bed rest basically from the hospital. He left and Of course, his family's not taking care of him because that would make too much sense. So he's just left to the friend group to take care of him. And eventually he wakes up. So Chris lived. Thank God. 
we find out that he had a subarachnoid hemorrhage and he's talking to Cassie about this. Just we find out some of the details of like what happened with him medically that we know is the same thing his brother died from. He's having this conversation with Cassie. She's still being really cryptic as she was in the past couple episodes because of all the secrets between Jal and Chris and Cassie being really upset with people having secrets and that's like a big theme in this episode is Cassie has a really hard time watching what everyone else is doing and feeling like they're making the wrong choices. I also have to point out that Cassie's wearing a t-shirt dress that's like a skeleton and that was so fashionable back in the day, especially like on Tumblr. That would have been a real hit. So Cassie's got some banger outfits this episode and I have to point them out. I do love her. So, you know, you guys, if you've listened to the past episodes, you know, I'm kind of a Cassie fan. So there's going to be a lot of me loving her this episode. So Cassie, when she's done changing Chris's bandage and caring for him, she goes into the separate bedroom with Sid and we can see that the tension in their relationship has not relented at all. And she clearly does not forgive him for everything with Michelle. That whole situation is still very toxic because I have found in my experience that those kind of relationships where you kind of forever resent your partner for fucking up, but you stay with them, it can lead to good sex because you're like hate fucking and I'm a big proponent of, like, hate-fucking as, like, fuel for good sex, but it is toxic. It's not really sustainable to be, like, pretending you're actually gonna stay together and love each other, and I, Cassie's definitely getting to the end of the line with this, like, facade. As we'll see through this episode, the facade is deteriorating very rapidly. So we see that in this scene where Cassie, first of all, tells Sid to change Chris's bandages because she's an evil genius. But she's leaving for her exam and she's just like, what do you have to say to me? And he's like, so weird and just word vomits about Michelle and is like, uh, what am I supposed to say to you? Uh, that I'm, I never loved Michelle and I never cared about her and I'm sorry I saw her naked. And she's just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, he obviously feels so guilty and she's still mad at him. For, I'm sorry I'm yelling, everyone, but I'm just yelling because I'm passionate about this. He's so dumb and Sid is just like so dumb in this episode and the next one. Like, I don't know if it's just all the trauma, like, blanking his brain out. That's what it seems like. So she's just like upset and goes for her exam and there's the iconic line where she's like, I'll love you forever, Sid. And he says, you will. And she says, yes, that's the problem. And then she leaves and he's smiling like an idiot. And that line, you know, resonates with so many people because there's this frustration when you love someone so much and they don't understand you or how to love you or where you're coming from and it's just like one-sided it's the worst feeling so i feel bad for cassie in this she goes to her exam sid goes in to change chris's bandages and gets punched in the face which like we love a good sid getting punched in the face scene 
happens all the time. We cut to the scene where Cassie's in the exam room and it's very surreal. It kind of is one of those dreamlike skin scenes. There's a lot of that in this episode with Cassie. I would say it's the closest to her having a Tony type of episode where it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. And we've had some of that with Cassie in the past, like when she gets the notes that say eat on them and the text messages and like that wasn't real or was it? There's a lot of that kind of vibe with this episode. So I'll make sure to like point it out as it comes up. The fact that she's the only one in the exam room definitely contributes to it feeling really surreal. One of the exam questions is, is it possible to truly enjoy power? So we get into Cassie talking to the test administrator or teacher, and Cassie's saying that when she stopped eating, she felt powerful, and she felt like she had control, but that it stopped eventually, and she's kind of just having this conversation with the teacher about how self-destructive behaviors feel like self-control, but you're really not in control, and the more you indulge in self-destructive behaviors, the farther out of control you become, and that's the vicious cycle, is you're just using coping behaviors that negatively affect you, but it's the only thing you can turn to that feels like it's helping you control the environment around you. So that's like a whole conversation, but yeah, I thought that was really sort of profound to be getting into, especially with the way we see people trying to cope on this show, which is usually just through drugs and sex and distractions, and Cassie is always looking for distractions from her pain. The teacher basically says, you can't stop bad things from happening. There's nothing you can do to control what happens in life, which is terrifying. And Cassie says that she's in love, and the teacher's like, oh, why cut yourself when you can be in love? Which, I mean fair enough. Fair statement. But then we learned a healthy coping mechanism, which is dancing to disco. And I remember finding this really silly when I was younger. And like, it is a silly vibe that the teacher just puts on this disco song during the exam and they're dancing and the principal comes in and they're all dancing together. But honestly, I will say dancing as a coping mechanism, 10 out of 10. I have so many dance parties just, like, in my kitchen, bopping around like a lunatic, and it's delightful. It makes me happy. Um, so, yeah, dancing to disco is a good coping mechanism. Also, have to point out, I think I'll give this the Bristol's Best Award is Cassie's outfit to drop off the exam, because those t-shirts with the bows on it were so popular, again, back in, like, the Tumblr days. Um, and she has a plaid skirt and knee socks and then the gold Mary Janes that we've seen through this whole season. She's been wearing them actually since last season too. So after dropping off the exam, Cassie gets back to the apartment with Chris and where everybody's been staying basically. And Sid is cooking in the kitchen. Chris is in a good mood. He's smoking spliffs on the couch. And we discover that Sid has invited... Michelle over, which is a surprise to Cassie, 
and also Tony. And Cassie is clearly really unhappy about this. Obviously, she's like, why the fuck is Michelle here, like, alone with you and Chris? Which I would understand why she's upset about that. And then having Tony over, and they're just, like, pretending to have this adult dinner party, which is something that Cassie calls out pretty immediately. Sid just tells her to let it go, and basically all night they're just telling Cassie to grow up and that this is what adults do and blah blah blah, but Cassie is not having it. She calls out Tony and Michelle for the same shit we've been saying, all of us podcast listeners, etc. We've been saying that Tony and Michelle getting back together is not progress, It's just getting things back to the status quo that wasn't healthy in the first place and that they had a toxic relationship anyway, so getting back together is not going to fix anything. So Cassie's calling that out. Obviously, it's a little bit of a controversial thing to say with your friends all at a dinner party, but Cassie just, like, can't keep it inside. And they're all being so condescending to her and treating her like a little kid, so I can understand why she's frustrated, too. She just ends up storming away from the table. Michelle tells her to grow up again. And Cassie just, like, goes into her room and is just done with this whole dinner party facade. And Michelle is basically trying to rationalize what's going on and say, well, we're all fucked up. Everybody's fucked up. And Jal's the most fucked up. And it just kind of slips out. And Chris is like, wait, why is Jal fucked up? Because he still doesn't know about the pregnancy. And then Jal comes home Ta-da! We'll see what happens with that. But before we see what Chris and Jal get into as he's sort of finding out about the pregnancy, we cut back to Cassie and Sid talking in her room and she's like, there's something that makes me hate everything. And it's so sad just watching her mental illness flare up so badly, for lack of a better way to put it. Like, It's so hard to watch them depict just mental illness so vividly in the show. And if you have any experience with, like, any mental illness, you can probably relate to Cassie in this scene. It's really heartbreaking just watching her so depressed and, like, broken inside. She's having this conversation with Sid and... He's not super good at giving advice, but he's, like, sort of comforting, and then they just have sex, which is a distraction, for sure, from the pain and sadness she's feeling. And I noticed that they have Cassie wake up after she and Sid have sex. She wakes up in the position that she's in in the photo that he carries around of her, the, like, big tapestry of her above his bed it's the same position as that which is also the tony position of like waking up in bed so i just thought that was interesting if you watch that scene you'll see what i'm talking about back to the jal and chris of it all jal has decided that she's going to get an abortion so we find out what is going on with that Brief interruption that I just had to walk away from the microphone for a moment because a fucking giant raccoon walked past the door here and 
I am very excited to get back to the city and get back to my regular schedule and not have giant raccoons swarming where I'm staying. Oh my god, I thought it was a dog and I got scared thinking someone was coming up to the door with their dog, but it was just a fat-ass raccoon. So, yeah, thought I should let you guys know that's where I'm at right now. And I can't wait to be back in the city soon. It's been really nice being in the woods. Love vacation, but raccoons are scary and there's like bears and stuff out here. So back to the episode, we find out Jal's getting an abortion and then we cut to Cassie walking home from the market. She's bought some milk. Seems like Sid has a big thing for milk. Could be some Freudian nuance to that but we're gonna just breeze past that one and so Cassie's bringing home milk from the store and Chris's mom is outside it seems like she's caught wind that he was in the hospital and so she is going to visit him but then she chickens out and ends up leaving before going in to see him or anything Chris's family is so disappointing. I feel so bad for him. Like, he deserves so much support and love, and he's such a sunshine ray of love to everyone in the world. And it's just not fair that his parents are too cowardly to even go visit him when he literally was in the hospital and pronounced dead for three minutes, as we find out. So, thank God his friends are there for him, because his family sure isn't. There's a scene where Cassie drops the milk on the step, so there's sort of this very not subtle crying over spilled milk moment where Chris is finding out about the abortion and his mom is outside just like crying and leaving and it's very dramatic. But we have a little bit of fun between Cassie and Chris. Their friendship is really pure and she's doing so much for him that no one seems to really be acknowledging the fact that Cassie is full-time taking care of this guy who has a severe brain injury, and they're just playing around, having fun, and then she pulls on his ear while teasing him, and oh my god, my heart just sank. Like, I don't know if this actually is what contributes to him dying or not, I feel like it kind of is. What do you guys think? Please write in. Do you think that her pulling on his ear in the scene, like, triggered part of the injury? Because what his medical condition is, is it's, like, bleeding in a certain space in your brain. So I obviously am not a fucking doctor. I have no idea how it works. I just quit. Uh, I I winced and I cringed and I wanted to say quinced because <laughs> I was cringing and wincing at the same time during this scene. And she obviously feels bad and he kind of just shrugs it off and is like, haha, got you. So we're sort of led to believe that he's fine, but I don't know. We'll see. Cassie goes to make him tea and then they're just like smoking and playing around all night, just having fun as friends, watching TV and all of a sudden, he's really sweaty, and he goes in to the bedroom, and he's just, like, convulsing, and Cassie walks in, and he's just covered in blood, and he gasps out his last words, 
from when he was trying, oh, I'm going to cry, but when he was trying to remember Jal's name. And he says, got it, Jal, got it. And those are his last words. Like, he just loved her so much. And their relationship was, like, so pure for skins, even though they obviously both had their secrets and bullshit. But he loved her so much. And it is so heartbreaking to watch him die. Oh my god. Like, I've watched this episode probably 25 times in my life, and I still cry every single time. Like, it's so fucking depressing. So, Cassie immediately calls the hospital, as one should, and, you know, she just packs a bag and runs away to New York. She just totally freaks out, and I'm sure part of her blames herself for what happened, um, but she's just like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here, and she just gets on the first flight to New York. So then we sort of just transition into, like, Cassie's in New York, and we don't really see much of what happens with Chris until later on. (sighs) It's just really intense, and then all of a sudden Cassie's in New York trying to deal with this. When it comes to the New York scenes, I have to suspend my disbelief a lot and not sound like a jaded asshole who grew up on the East Coast and has been to New York way too many times, and I'm like, okay, this could happen. Cassie is kind of a magical fairy person, so we're gonna say, sure, she meets this really charmed, kind cab driver who just drives her to Manhattan and gives her money for dinner, which I think ties back into the symbolism of the book in the beginning, where he says you need to eat, and I think eating is the same as living to Cassie. When he says you need to eat, it's kind of like you need to live, you need to keep going, you can't just give up, things are just going to keep happening, and you just got to keep living. So he gives her money, she goes to this diner where he says the chili's fantastic, and there she meets Adam, the waiter, who I don't know how real Adam is, he kind of gives me Elizabeth from Tony's episode vibes, where I think part of Adam is real and part of it is not, because how would she meet this guy who's like, yeah, just stay in my apartment as long as you want, We'll get more into the relationship with Adam and all about him in the next episode, too. But basically, he's just this guy who looks a lot like Cassie. He's also blonde and, like, thin and sort of dreamy energy. And he has all these photos of his girlfriend up on the wall. Is this symbolism for memories? If I had someone else to bounce ideas off of, we would probably get deeper into this, but it's kind of up for interpretation. They go out to a nightclub together because he's like, I'm wired, let's go dance, and then she kind of, like, has a meltdown. We're gonna... (laughs) At some point, we need to have the conversation about Cassie being neurodivergent as fuck and, like, constantly having social cues issues and, like, meltdowns. But either you're there or you're not with that. Anyway, so she kind of has like a meltdown and runs out. And then he kisses her cheek, 
which is like the ultimate Cassie move, which is what makes me think that he's not real because he's just mirroring the way she treats other people and she's sort of just confronting her own energy. It's really intense. I always kind of wrote off the New York and Adam thing as just like a weird bit that happens when Chris dies, but it's really intense and like there's a lot of layered imagery and symbolism to unpack that I implore you to do. After spending some time with him, she wakes up and there's a note and an apple. Again, it's like the message to eat, to keep going. Almost like she's a video game character that needs these like one-ups to keep going. And so she finds this note from him with an apple, and he's like, hey, I'm leaving for a little bit, but you can stay here as long as po as you want. She starts sobbing, and I think that he kind of wasn't real because now she's just, like, alone and realizing no matter where you run, you have to confront yourself, and you can't outrun yourself. I feel like that was the message. It could be more literal and I'm just reading into it too much, but there's just so many little tidbits that add up to me thinking that it's just her having to face herself. And then she has this breakdown and runs down the street and that's where the episode ends. So we're, it's very much a cliffhanger, and that's why I'm just going to go right into recording the last episode, the season finale, because there is just this continuity in the plot where I want to keep talking about it, but I will say goodbye to you guys for this week. I'll upload the second half of this recording next week on Friday, as usual, um, and I hope that you had fun listening in and that we can like brainstorm and talk about all of the Adam imagery because I am so fixated on it right now. I think it's so interesting and cool. So have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Friday with the second half of this, which is the season finale. And then we'll be into season three, which is the second generation. And that's a whole new can of worms to get into. Uh, make sure you follow Instagram at oh wow the podcast and I always post on the Reddit and YouTube and yeah okay I'll talk to you guys next week for the season finale have a good one hopefully I don't get eaten by a raccoon thanks bye